Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. It's great to have you with us once again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Cady. He is the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And we have come to the end of our series called Desiring the Kingdom. And we've studied through First and Second Kings, all of it, all chapters. And you can find all of it at whitefieldschurch.com if you missed it. And it was a great, great series, epic journey, uh, just amazing stuff that we've we've dived into. And it was just amazing to see God's love, and, you know, who God is, his nature, his character, and most of all, to see Jesus in this in this this whole epic story of all these kings and and the desire that we all have for for a king, a true king that's going to rule one day in righteousness and justice. And that's it's going to be Jesus. And so if you missed any of it, get over there, whitefieldschurch.com and any of your favorite uh, streaming platforms, you can find it there. And if you would, uh, subscribe, uh, you know, like, share, and if you could, rate and review on the Apple Podcasts. It certainly helps uh, with the algorithms and all that stuff, getting our content out there for people who are asking questions, and we can give them answers with uh, godly, Christ-centered, gospel-centered content. And so this week, we finished uh, in chapters 24 and 25, and the title of the message was The Heart of a Father. The love of the Father. I knew I would get it wrong. The love of a Father. And uh, chapters 24 and 25 as we finished Second, Second Kings. Just a lot of great things in there. And um, But there was a couple questions that came up. And, you know, you looked into just, you know, this kind of a, a sad, sad ending. We see as we followed the story of all these kings, uh, we finally see, you know... Um, First, Israel went into bondage uh, to the Babylonians, and now we have, uh, you know, Judah finally being hauled off into bondage to the Babylonians. And, uh, you know, there's, it's kind of a sad ending to the story. A lot of lessons that we could have, we can learn from that. Um, but there's a couple of questions I just wanted to bring up for you to look at this week. And one was in chapter 24, verse 4, where it says, God would not pardon or, you know, in, in referring to the sins of Manasseh that we had looked at earlier. Or some translations say forgive. And so just wanted to, you know, maybe dig a little bit deeper. Does, does the, is there a point where God doesn't forgive, doesn't pardon something? Yeah. So um, it's, a, it's a really good question because I think that that could be a little bit disconcerting to some people to say, okay, wait, wait. on the one hand, they might say, um, does this mean that sometimes God looks at sins and doesn't forgive? Um, is it also possible that just did things just work different in the Old Testament? Now God forgives and he didn't forgive in the Old Testament. In other words, there's a discrepancy between the two. I think that is um, it's a mistake to try and see discrepancies between the Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, remember that Jesus didn't see those and remember the apostles didn't see those. And so it's um, a bit, I guess you would call it like, um, anachronistic or, or something like that to, to come back and say, oh, well, you know, the, the Old Testament teaches one thing, New Testament teaches another. I don't think that's the case at all. In fact, I would say that there are plenty of times in the New Testament where God uh, refuses to pardon or refuses to forgive. And uh, we know that, for example, there's an unforgivable sin, unpardonable sin, and that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people wonder what that is. It, you know, it's kind of like, uh, is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit thinking a blasphemous thought about the Holy Spirit. And if so, it's one of those things where it's like, um, I've talked to people and I think I've had this feeling myself where it's like, if I tell you, Hey, don't think about a purple elephant, 
Like then that, all of a sudden that's the only thing you can picture in your mind. Same thing if you tell people, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Then all of a sudden they're like, they, all their thoughts start turning with, well, what does that mean? Did I do it on accident when I was trying not to? I got to try really hard not to do it. And then, oh, I did it on accident. Uh, I don't think that's what it is at all. In fact, if you follow the, the you know, we would call this the systematic theology of what forgiveness is and how it works throughout the Bible. Um, the point is this, that God is striving with people by his spirit, bringing, drawing them to repentance, bringing them to a conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment, that they, there is sin in the world, that they themselves are sinful, that there's a righteous God, and that because of that discrepancy, there is a, a judgment coming. And so the whole idea is that the spirit is drawing people to see their need for a savior and to repent and, and receive Jesus, the savior God who, who the savior God has sent. Um, but if you refuse that, like the book of Hebrews says this, it says in chapter six and chapter 10, it says, if you refuse that, there is no other sacrifice. Like there's no other way to be forgiven of your sins. This is one way that God has provided. And if you reject that or just, I don't know, don't take hold of it, then there remains no other way. So, you know, what's interesting about the people of, of Judah is that you can see that God is giving them chance after chance after chance, sending them messenger after messenger, repent, repent, judgment will come if you don't, but God has given you lots of chances. And then if you remember the first time it says that God, in that passage, that exact passage actually, that God sent uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army against Judah to destroy them. But then we know from history and from the text that God essentially called them off at the last minute, giving Judah one last chance, right? Brought them to the brink of destruction and then brought them back one last chance and they still didn't do it. And he gave them two more chances after that and they still didn't do it. And uh, there's a passage in Genesis chapter six in the passage that talks about the flood where God warns the people. It says that he looked upon the evil in the earth and it grieved him to the heart. And God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. And so basically what it comes down to is this, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to resist the drawing of the Holy Spirit to receive Jesus as Savior. And if you resist that, that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. There's no way to be forgiven if you don't receive the forgiveness that God's offering you, if you don't humble yourself before God. And so um, it makes total sense that this is the case. So the fact, that, the fact that there is a judgment means that there will be some sins which are not forgiven. And the only way that, that that would happen to somebody is if they refuse to receive the grace and mercy of God, which is freely offered. It's like, uh, you know, the famous painting of, of the Sistine Chapel with God, you know, extending with all that he is towards man and man just kind of weakly, you know, limply um, kind of giving a nod to God. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a, that's a great description, you know, yeah. in that painting. So, Yeah, no, I, I think for myself, I truly understood Finally, I think probably it was kind of the epiphany moment of God's grace and mercy by reading the Old Testament. And it was always this phrase, I will always have a remnant for myself. Or, you know, even though they do this, I will still... It was like God was always <laughs> giving them, as you said, the third, the hundredth. I mean, as we've gone through First and Second Kings, how many chances did they have to, to turn back to the Lord, you know, and, you know, and... You know, at the end of the book, unfortunately, they're all hauled off to Babylon. But, um, you know, God's God's mercy and grace was so evident through this whole time. And even into the New Testament, isn't that the picture? Many times we have Old Testament, angry God, New Testament, 
happy God. You know, it's that kind of, and, and a lot of our artwork sometimes plays into that narrative as well, unfortunately. Uh, but in the New Testament, and you, and you pointed this out, is that, and the whole kind of thrust of the message for Sunday was, was the idea that God does discipline. He does discipline his children. And the word that you uh, use, the word for discipline is padia uh, that you brought out. And we looked at Hebrews a lot and just wanted to expand on that a bit. Yeah, so um, paideia is this idea of discipline, but here's here's the difference, right, between that. Because one of the questions that was asked was, well, how do I know if I'm just experiencing uh, the trials of life, um, or do I? How do I know that I'm experiencing the discipline of God? And that's an interesting thing because I think that our word discipline. The reason I bring out that Greek word because, you know, just an aside, real quick, is that. A lot of times I don't think it's really that wise to to always refer to Greek words. And here's why. Because uh, essentially you're communicating to people, oh, you can't really understand what this passage says because you didn't look up the Greek word. Uh, you know, one of my mentors, you know, Brian Broderson, he always used to say, uh, you know what it says in Greek? It says the same thing it says in English. So just read it <laughs> and yeah. just understand it, right? Um but there are some cases where there's a little nuance. And this is one of those cases. And uh, the word paideia, you know, here's the difference. The discipline in English tends to have a punitive connotation, right? So it means that somebody did something wrong and they're being punished for it. But paideia in Greek is a little bit more uh, comprehensive than that. It's all-encompassing in the sense of, like, it's not necessarily punitive. It can be, but it's not necessarily punitive. It's more like... Um, something that is done for your good to make you better. I mean, discipline in our, in our um, language too doesn't necessarily have to be punitive. So um, you could think about it this way. It, it just means that God is constantly working and allowing the brokenness of this world to come into your life in just the right way, at just the right time, in just the right amount under his loving care in order to make you better. And this is a theme that runs throughout the Bible, right? The, like Romans eight twenty eight. Um, he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Uh, and there, there's verses like 1 Peter, James 1, right? These, these verses that talk about Romans 5, that talk about how God uses the brokenness of this world in our lives in just the right way, in just the right time, in order to form us and make us better. And that's the idea. So on the other hand, I think it's worth saying that, um, you know, there are some things in this world that are just flat out broken. They're just the result of sin being in the world. This is why we need a savior. This is why we desire a kingdom that is to come is because there are things in this world that uh, just, um, you know, you, you can't just say that everything happens for a reason. Uh, some things happen because the, the reason for them is sin is in the world and, and it's bad and it's sad and it's broken. So, yeah, no, that's, and that's a great, thought to end on just that that's why i mean i think that when we're going through first and second kings that that really came out is that we need a king <laughs> that is better than all these kings that have got that we've been reading about you know and 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 that jesus of course uh came for that and and he foreshadowed a kingdom that's going to come one day that we're all going to be a part of 
and you know, we certainly are looking forward to that. And I hope you're looking forward to that as well. And if you missed it, any of it, First, Second Kings, Desiring the Kingdom, whitefieldschurch.com. You can get over there, share it with your friends. We're heading into a, a new season, uh, a new series, our Easter series, and, of, and then we're going to do one on Pentecost as well. So be looking for those, and we look forward from hearing you. Any questions, suggestions, thoughts, we'd love to answer those. And may God bless you.